following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond, to the clubhouse, to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Happy July 4th to all of Twins territory. Hopefully you are enjoying your day so far. We'll continue to do so and do so safely with loved ones today as the Twins play baseball in Missouri, wrapping up a weekend series and a road trip today as they try to salvage one against the Royals' first pitch coming up and just after 1 o'clock here throughout the Treasure Island Baseball Network. I'm Corey Provis. We thank you for tuning in today, and we thank you for your time as we begin our Sunday network programming. We do so with the general manager of the Minnesota Twins. Always a treat to be joined by Thad Levine on the Sunday show. Thad, it's Corey Target Field. How are you? I'm doing fabulous, and I hope everyone's having a tremendous 4th of July with friends and family. Yeah, the uh, Levines. What, uh, what's the 4th of July tradition? Maybe even as a kid growing up and now, what you and the family do on, on a day like today? Well, I, I grew up in Northern Virginia, and so the 4th of July was a really special event because we would trek out to Washington, D.C. And, and sit next to the Washington Monument, and there was a tremendous fireworks show uh, downtown Washington, D.C. that we got to go to. So I was very spoiled as a kid. As a, as a father, we usually go to the pool, a little barbecuing, and then uh, we are fortunate enough that outside our backyard, uh, we are able to see fireworks at night. So some people congregate here, uh, have some libations, and enjoy a fireworks show. Just a few, though, right? Just a few libations? Absolutely. That right, sounds good. Well, D- uh, just, just the right amount. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that uh, today with your family. Twins and the Royals coming up today. It'll be Kent Maeda and Brad Keller on the mound for the Royals. And Thad, the uh, Twins have reached the official halfway point in terms of games played. Uh, 81 games in, 33-48. and 48. Certainly not the record that, that you thought the team would have at this point. And let's begin there if we can. Why are the Twins so far under 500 as you see it 81 games in? You know, Corey, there's a, there's a few ways, I think, to address that, that question. And we try to stay as objective as we possibly can. And believe it or not, even when we're performing better than expected or, or performing worse than expected. I think we try to stay grounded in where we should be. And, and you know, there are a lot of public systems out there that, that give projections. We also have an internal system, like most teams do at this point, that kind of project your talent and how that should translate loosely to wins. It's usually pretty accurate with, with the, the qualifier that every year uh, you see a team underperform, you usually see a team overperform projection so it's it's that's why they say they play the games on the field it's not just a matter of uh before the game the season starts that we just pick the the 10 teams that are projected to be the best and they play in the playoffs that that's actually has almost never worked out that way i think what we're seeing this year is you know an example of a team overachieving the san francisco giants are doing that based upon their their baseline talent uh they're they're performing extremely well the minnesota twins unfortunately are on the other side of that ledger uh where we are one of the teams that is underperforming uh, more significantly than any other team. We were we were projected to be a playoff team, and as you referenced, uh, the team has faltered a little bit. And it's there's no denying the record at this point. Uh, we are not we are not tracking where we had aspired to track. So I think our goal as we as we look at this team uh, midstream here is to reevaluate 
what it means to have a successful 2021 campaign. Clearly, the most primary definition of that was playing in the playoffs and ideally playing deeply in the playoffs. We had hoped to build a team that was going to allow us to prevail beyond where we had been in the playoffs in recent years. Uh, If that is not the case, then our obligation is to help this franchise moving forward, uh, 2022 and beyond. We still think we've got a a really talented core group of players, uh, most of whom are coming back next year. And so, uh, you know, as as is the case at the end of July, we we have opportunities to uh, make acquisitions that could enhance our chances of winning in the future. But I think what we're committed to is is, is not just standing still. Uh, We're going to recalibrate what we view as a, a successful season here and maybe turn our attention a little bit more towards bolstering our talent base uh, with an eye towards really helping us win in the future and learning as much as we can from the season we're, we're experiencing. You know, I've had a lot to break down there. Getting back to one of your early points there about the internal projection system that that you and the entire front office use in terms of player performance and how the team overall may perform in a given year. When you have a season like like the team has had this year, can you tweak that at all, or do you tweak that, or is it just, you know what, it was the odds just worked against us, but we still believe in our internal projection system because maybe it's done wonders for us in previous seasons? And, and, and you know, Corey, I think it's a great question. I, I think the temptation, of course, is to try to overcorrect, and it's try to, to try to insert yourself into the solution process to, to really make meaningful strides towards, towards winning and winning soon. I think in practice, you know, any person who is committed to these systems would tell you, you really have to look over a larger time horizon. And as I mentioned earlier, we ground ourselves in the fact that almost every year you see a team underachieve. You see a team miss the playoffs that really was projected to not only make the playoffs, but potentially even win their division uh, and advance in the playoffs. And so we're not alone in this case. So therefore, we don't feel as if there's an overcorrection that's necessary. But that being said, I think we're, we have a lot of extremely intelligent people in our front office, far more intelligent than I am. And they're, they're tasked with studying this to understand where do we need to make uh, changes that may have a strong ability to, to impact our, our, our competitiveness in the future. But by and large, we're, we're grounded in the systems, we're committed to them, and we're looking more of a time horizon than just one single season. Derek, uh, and you uh, have been here since 2017, and one of your big projects was to just change the way this team was was performing from a pitching standpoint, and it had. It had worked that way, if you go back year after year, from 17 leading up to 2021, significant progress in terms of where the twin staff ranked in ERA, where the twin staff, not just talking about the rotation, but everybody, bullpen, where the team ranked in terms of generating strikeouts. And that was a big reason why the Twins were a playoff team last year. The offense was decent, but to me, the pitching is what got the Twins to their second straight you know, uh, AL Central championship. But this year, the most stunning part of this, that to me, is looking at how the pitching has, has gone backwards, completely regressed. Now 14th in ERA, last in strikeouts, leading all the baseball and home runs allowed. What has happened with, with the pitching staff collectively that we saw such an opposite direction from where this thing was going in earlier seasons. I, I think you're highlighting something that maybe our fans hadn't fully embraced coming off of the 2019 Bomba squad. I think there was a perception that the strength of our teams as we went through the playoffs was the prolific offensive output that our, our offensive core had. I think in practice, what you just illuminated is exactly right. Our, our offense was competitive in 2020. It was our pitching that carried us. 
uh, you know, buoyed, buoyed at the top. We had some really strength through the middle and our bullpen really performed exceptionally well. Uh, and really it's performed exceptionally well for each of the, uh, the last two years, 2019 and 2020. And it did so without a lot of the most storied names uh, that you would find in, in, in the bullpens. I, I think we were very creative in how we built those bullpens. We prioritized guys with different arm angles, guys with exceptionally good pitches that were very effective against hitters. We built the bullpen exactly the same way this year, and it did not work out. I, I don't think that makes us feel as if we need to scrap the strategy of how to build a pen, but rather really tinker with some of the lessons to be learned from this year. But it's undeniable what you said. We, we, we've had a, a, a meaningful, unfortunate degradation from last year to this in terms of our pitching performance. It's something that our guys are studying constantly right now. I mean, I could tell you on the, on the very layman end of it, uh, we we're leading the major leagues in pitches located middle-middle. And as I see uh, Jim Cott entering the studio, I'm sure he could attest to the fact that pitches thrown middle-middle, regardless with what movement or with what velocity, are going to get punished more often than not. Uh, that's something that we feel like we should be able to control moving forward. That's something we've been able to minimize in years past. We've been able to stay out of that location. Why we're, why we're hitting that location to, with the frequency that we are, that's something that I, I'm going to leave up to, to Wes Johnson and Pete Mackey to, to, to really digest. But it's something we're working on right now and, and really paying a lot of attention to. Another thing that you know our pitching staffs have, have really had some exceptional pitches uh, in years past. And, uh, you know, we, we've had Sergio Romo's slider, which was a very unhittable pitch. We had Tyler Clifford's changeup, which was a, a really positive pitch. Tyler Duffy's breaking ball, Taylor Rogers' slider. You know, we, we've been blessed to have some really well above average pitches. Uh, we need to go back to the drawing board and understand, was this an anomaly this year of how we put, built this staff? Or were there, there are things that we could be doing better on our end? But I can assure you that soul-searching is happening constantly. Uh, we'll take our first break on the show. When we come back, we'll get into spin rate. We'll get into foreign substance. And, you know, maybe how, you know, Thad, how you viewed that in the past and lessons learned from that moving forward. And talk about, get your thoughts, too, on how umpires are now uh, enforcing, you know, the foreign substance on the baseball and get your take on that. We'll get to some injuries. Twins made a late lineup change. We'll dive into that. All coming up with Thad Levine, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, continues next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Twins General Manager Thad Levine. And Thad, uh, I wanted to get into what we see now in a daily occurrence, and that is umpires checking uh, the pitchers, starters, maybe every two innings or so, relievers after they come off for any foreign substance. What's your take on how it's being policed so far by umpires roughly two weeks in? You know, it's, it's been interesting to watch. I think we've all been fascinated to, to see if umpires do it differently crew to crew. And I think by and large what we're seeing them do is, is, is to handle it as, as quickly and as timely as they possibly can. Uh, they're, they're taking the glove. They're taking the hat. They're asking the, the, the pitcher to show them their belt. Uh, but I think, you know, more than anything, they're trying to make sure that there's no foreign substance on the pitcher at the time, but also to keep the game moving. I, I, I think observationally, one of the bigger challenges I see is when they're having to test the reliever who's coming out of the game, uh, maybe after, you know, a little traffic or having given up a run or two. And my guess is they're in a mental state that isn't uh, perfectly aligned with being the most compliant in those moments because they're just looking to get off the field. 
um, and kind of reflect on what happened during their their outing. But I think that the umpires look like they're trying to be respectful of those types of situations, get the guys off the field as quickly as they can, manage their process as thoroughly as possible, but not at the expense of delaying the game. You know, how we got to this point, I think, is pretty obvious. Just look at where the game was at statistically in terms of runs, in terms of strikeouts, in terms of, you know, all the advanced you know, offensive numbers. And Josh Donaldson, to his credit, and he has been outspoken about this and good for him for doing so. I'm not sure if we're at this point if Josh is not as outspoken as he has been about the topic. But let's go back to not just offseason, but maybe two or three years ago. How much was spin rate a priority for you when you would be interested in signing a pitcher or acquiring a pitcher? Was that one of the the characteristics that you would study and say, okay, that is something that is impactful and might help our team? Is was spin rate is spin rate you know important to you when when acquiring a player? Without question, and I think not only when acquiring the player, but when we're developing our existing players. You know, a perfect example of that is a Tyler Duffy type pitcher. A couple of years ago, he was featuring his, his very uh, devastating breaking ball, but he also was primarily throwing his fastball down in the zone. Our, our pitching coaches and our analysts determined that with his spin rate, he should be really effective up in the zone. Uh, and that also would be a nice complement to his breaking ball. So there'd be two different eye levels that he would be forcing the, the hitter to respect. Whereas before his fastball was effectively landing in the same zone as his breaking ball, that that really enhanced his effectiveness uh, during some of his best seasons, 2019, 2020. So I think it's not only the acquisition of players, but it's also the development of our existing players where spin rate has been a huge factor. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, we got to give credit where it's due. Sometimes the players who speak more openly about this uh, get some derision from from the community at large. But uh, Trevor Bauer was talking about this uh, three to four years ago, and he was citing what he felt some of the Houston Astros were doing. I think we were all on board with the benefits of spin rate, but I think that really uh, heightened a lot of our awareness and curiosity about it because clearly the Houston Astros were having tremendous success as a pitching staff a couple of years ago. We all started studying that a little bit more in earnest, and now you reference Josh Donaldson speaking more openly about it. I think, unfortunately, as it's often the case in, in the game when there's competitive advantages to be had, the players who really shed light on them aren't received very warmly by the community, but in, in large regard, uh, those of us in the front office who are studying the heck out of this stuff, we appreciate that because that, that really draws our attention to areas of the game where we could potentially uh, get even more uh, competitive moving forward. Yeah, so spin rate, so spin rate was and still is, you know, vital for you in terms of development and signing, acquiring pitchers. But now we're going to see a regression in that area because you know I, I, we're just not going to see it used as often. Foreign substances, one would think, as often on the baseball as we have probably for 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 many years. Looking back at the last decade, if not even more. So how do you view it now? Is that still important, or are you buying me and and developing? But I guess. Looking at is is it fake because a pitcher was was generating spin but doing so illegally and now may not have the same chance. Well, I think Corey, this ties back into our previous se- segment where we were talking about our analytics and how we adjust our systems over time. I, I do think we have to acknowledge that our systems for the last couple of years have really benefited from knowing more about spin rates and the benefits therein in terms of effectiveness of pitches. So now we're going to embark upon a little bit of a period of unknown 
uh, where the, those some of those uh, substances that enhance pitcher spin rates uh, inevitably will diminish those spin rates as those those substances are no longer allowed in the game. What we don't know is on a pitcher to pitcher basis who will be impacted the most, and so it makes for a very interesting trade deadline. Uh, as we, you know, may be buying and/or selling pitching, exactly how to evaluate those pitchers. Uh, the other thing that we don't know, and I think time will tell, is by removing some of those substances, does it truly uh, impact negatively players' health? Uh, and so, if you're putting a lot of your eggs in the basket of of pitching moving forward, whether that's existing pitching in your own franchise or acquiring pitching, are you enhancing the chances of of players not being healthy moving forward and or not being quite as effective. So, you know, I think this is where uh, teams that equally favor scouting and analytics will be rewarded because I think we're going to shift a little bit back towards, uh, you know, talking very openly to our scouts and having our analytics guys uh, connect directly with them to understand, to get even more insight into those players in this time of transition. Right, we'll take our last break on Inside Twins. Come back and wrap things up with Thad Levine next. Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew concludes next on your home for Twins baseball. Now, final four minutes of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis and Thad Levine. You know, Thad, as we chat here today on this July 4th, the Twins at 33-48, and 48, you know, 15 and a half games behind the White Sox for first place. When the week began, there was momentum. If the Twins play well in Chicago, who knows? The Twins could have been eight and a half back. If they would have swept that series. But as the week has played out, has that changed your view with how the trade deadline looks now a couple weeks from now? Well, you know, we, in further to that, uh, we went into that series knowing we had seven of our next ten games against Chicago. Now we had one rain out in Chicago. We've also, uh, you know, as you noted, lost the three games there and, and Unfortunately, followed it up with two losses to Kansas City. So, I, I think we are we are trying to be as objective as we can, as as optimistic as we can, but objective. And I, I think at this point, we are we are having some active conversations with clubs with an eye towards improving our talent pool for the future for this franchise. In terms of if you have to go this route. In terms of, does you, do you have to tear everything, or is this just you have to move a few guys and, and believe that this team can contend again in 2022? Do, do you view it that way, or does, does even the Polad family want to hear, are we looking at a total rebuild if we have to go down that road here? No, I think that's exactly the crux of our conversation internally, which is, uh, you know, we talked about in the first segment, we believed in this team heading into 2021. We believe in the core of this team heading into 2022. So I think we are going to we're going to if we do make trades, it will be with an eye towards staying competitive in the near term, because we think the core of this team is extremely strong. Uh, We know we've got to get better in our decision making in the front office. And then other things need to transpire here to put ourselves in a position to excel in 2022. But we believe we have the core personnel to be very competitive uh, as soon as next year. All right. We have about two minutes left. A lot of injured guys to get through. So we'll do this as quickly as we can. I'm going to say a name. You tell me if there's a time frame when this player will either be back or will begin a rehab assignment. Let's begin with uh, Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver's been uh, excelling very well. I think we're still looking at realistically coming out of the all-star break, but hopefully full go at that point. 
Uh, Nelson Cruz is a late scratch today, uh, too. He was in the lineup. What's up with Nelson today, Thad? Do you know anything on that? So, so Nelson, unfortunately, has been battling a little bit of a cold recently and amazing how well he's been doing through that. But I think as, as fans, we've seen him wearing a mask sometimes when he's been on first base. We've seen a mask on him in, in the dugout. I think we're giving him a day to try to knock this thing out, recover, and feel better heading, heading into the homestand. Moving on, Byron Buxton. Uh, he was just evaluated the other day. Everything is healing to plan, which is a real positive thing. And he's continuing through his rehab process and, and is really on schedule at this time. Michael Pineda, rehab start with the Saints on Thursday. Rocco told us yesterday he doesn't believe, he doesn't think that Michael will need another rehab start. Do we know any more on that front when Michael will rejoin the Twins pitching staff? So once the, the, the team comes home, he'll be reevaluated by our doctors. But if he clears everything, I think our thought would be to slot him back into the rotation. But it will be ultimately up to our medical staff to clear him. All right, uh, less than a minute. How about Rob Refsnyder? Uh, probably after the break, but he is making progress. Randy Dobnak? Randy Dobnak, the same. He's in that same time frame as is Kyle Garlick. Jake Cave? Jake Cave is making great progress. Uh, he actually may be a little bit ahead of those guys, whether it's right before the the break or right after, he's he's really progressing well. And last one, Luke Farrell, who was pitching pretty well before he got hurt. Luke, unfortunately, right now is in a no-throw program, so his time frame has not been nailed down. He's in the clear rehab and recovery stage. Dad, thank you. Enjoyed the conversation today. Enjoy the fourth with your family. Have a great fourth. Uh, happy fourth to everyone out there, and uh, thanks for your continued support. Uh, Thad Levine, we thank him for his time. We thank you for listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer. Chris's pregame is next on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.